All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Happy early voting day, everybody. It's here. Yay. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. And, uh, you, by the way, we'll have opportunities for you to win Kenny Chesney tickets. Uh, just uh, stick around. I'll tell you how that's going to happen in a bit. First, I want to welcome to the program Dr. Chris Cooper. He is the Madison Distinguished Professor of Political Science and Public Affairs at Western Carolina University. He is also a contributor to Old North State Politics and a frequent source for national and state journalists alike. And he's the co-author of The Resilience of Southern Identity, co-editor of The New Politics of North Carolina. So, uh, But most importantly, he's a Winthrop grad. He's a Winthrop University grad. Hello, uh, Dr. Cooper. How are you? I'm doing great, Pete. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so you got a piece up at the Assembly nc.com which is a fairly new online publication uh it's a very lengthy piece with the title who can beat madison cawthorn so what do you want to take a stab at answering your own question there do you think he is beatable this time i do think he's beatable the fact that it's even a question i think is such a change what we saw you know we would have expected to see anyway a year ago. I'm not saying I know what's going to happen. I'm glad I don't have any money on this race, but it is very much an open question. You wrote that while none of his many controversies uh, on their own have truly endangered his position, one decision this winter has been fundamentally different, an unprecedented decision to voluntarily change districts before backtracking to run for his current seat. I have been saying that that is probably the biggest factor, not alone. I don't think if he had only done that and there was nothing else, I don't think that would have jeopardized his chances. But I think that is probably the most damaging of the straws on the camel's back. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. When combined with everything else, and obviously we could spend the next 10 minutes we have together describing the everything else, so I'll just sort of wave broadly and say all of it. But when he left the district, he did a couple of things. One, he obviously offended and left behind a lot of folks from his district who did still trust him and stick behind him. But the other thing he did was he opened the door to other good candidates to get in. So Chuck Edwards and Michelle Woodhouse in particular got in once Cawthorn left. So if he had just stayed put, kept his powder dry, it's very unlikely Edwards would be in, very unlikely uh, Woodhouse would be in. He'd be facing a very, very different field than the one he faces today, which is chock full of competitive candidates. Right. I said the other day, he this is a problem of his own making, as are virtually all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the stories surrounding him. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people were uh, giving him some room to grow and hoping that he would mature into the position. Uh, I don't think that's actually happened, though. No, it, I think you're right. At the very beginning, there's, there certainly was the expectation, the hope, uh, that he would grow into the position, that his youth would be a strength rather than a detriment. Um, but what we're seeing isn't really youth. It's, it's immaturity and recklessness. Um, again, that, that decision to run in the other district, I just got a text message, one of these political push-poll or push-text messages today that uh, says that he has abandoned us, meaning the voters in Western North Carolina, for Charlotte values. Now, Pete, when you left Western North mm. Carolina, I don't know if you adopted Charlotte values and what those would be. I don't know. But I think that just tells us what that move meant. That's it. Charlotte values. I'm yeah. curious what I am curious what that means. What are Charlotte values? The Thirsty Beaver? I'm not right. really sure. Banking? Um, Business? Uh, 
business, uh, I think the idea is they're not Western North Carolina values. So candidates who run on the 11th, every time campaign on what they call mountain values. Madison Cawthorn certainly did the same thing. Heath Shuler, the last Democrat to represent the district, did that. You remember that from your time in the mountain speech. Mm-hmm. So I guess Charlotte values are evidently not the same thing as mountain values. Like mountain values. That's interesting. Which is weird because like most of Charlotte is from someplace else. So I don't even... I don't even... Well, but a lot of people in Asheville are too. I'm surprised oh, they didn't... Yes, I'm surprised they didn't go with the Asheville values kind of kind of hook. Now they're not actually. This text message does not tell you, uh, and you pointed this out on Twitter. It doesn't tell you who to vote for. It just wants you to vote for somebody not Cawthorn. That's right. It says vote no on Madison Cawthorn on May 17th. Now I've looked at my sample ballot over and over and over again, and no on Madison Cawthorn does not appear anywhere on it. So I assume this is a strategy to increase the number of people who one, vote or choose to vote in the Republican primary, and two, obviously vote for anybody else other than Cawthorn. I think this is a get-to-the-runoff strategy. Right, which is what we saw in the race two years ago when Cawthorn actually got to the runoff with Linda Bennett, who was a terrible candidate, even though she had the, the uh, endorsement of Mark Meadows and Donald Trump, and it didn't matter. She couldn't beat the anti-Bennett sentiment. Um, so uh, breakdown, people are aware Asheville is in that yeah. district. But uh, what with our Charlotte values and all, we probably don't know so much about Henderson County, which actually is going to play a much more important role and has right for Cawthorn, but also for State Senator Chuck Edwards and Michelle Woodhouse. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can think of Buncombe County, where Asheville is, and Henderson County is sort of the yin and yang of Western North Carolina politics, right? So Buncombe County, Asheville. You know, it's the liberal center. It's all of those things you think of when you think of Asheville. And I listen to your show enough, Pete, that uh, that I think your listeners have probably got a pretty good sense of that one. Um, <laughs> but Henderson County is an adjacent county, which is really the center of Republicanism in Western North Carolina. It is growing. Uh, it's not as big as Buncombe, but it's the second biggest in the region. And it was the home of Madison Cawthorn and Madison Cawthorn's strategy. So in the last election, over 40% of his votes came from that single county. So you, you got to figure he needs Henderson County and a big win in Henderson County to do well. Well, he's got himself a problem because Chuck Edwards is not only from Henderson County, he owns businesses in Henderson County, and he has won three elections in a row for state Senate in Henderson County by over 60% in each one of those. Michelle Woodhouse is, is you know, more recent transplant to the district and to Henderson County, but still makes a home there, uh, was chair of the NC-11 Republican Party from her perch in Henderson County. So that Henderson County vote on election night, that's the one that I think we all need to be watching to figure out what's going to happen in this primary. Yeah, if he splits, if Edwards is able to siphon some of that off, then the uh, get him out of the primary and into a runoff strategy looks way more, way more likely. Um, exactly. uh, so here's another question. The uh, uh, Operation Chaos uh, that you mentioned, the Rush Limbaugh's uh, 2008 plan to get people to go vote in the Democrat primary. There's something similar going on out in the 11th district where uh, a PAC is trying to get Democrats to temporarily change their affiliation to unaffiliated so they can vote in the Republican primary. Do you think that strategy is going to work? You know, it by itself, no, of course not. But I think combined with unaffiliated voters in general, 
choosing to perhaps vote in the Republican primary this time, it could mean something. So unaffiliated, as you've talked about, and other people have too, it's the largest group in North Carolina politics. It's the largest group in the 11th Congressional District. They get to choose their own adventure on primary day. And the data we're getting back thus far from mail-in voting, which is admittedly very, very small, but the 11th Congressional District thus far has the biggest voter turnout in the state, has the largest number of unaffiliated voters who have voted in the state, and those unaffiliated voters are choosing the Republican primary about 62% of the time so far. So it's some evidence that a version of this strategy may ultimately be successful. Now, does that mean I think Wendy Navarez, who this Fire Madison group wants to promote, is going to win the primary? No, I don't think so. And I don't think the switching part is going to be the key. But uh, galvanizing these unaffiliated voters? Yes, certainly that could be a difference maker. And it's one component of that larger get them to a runoff strategy if you've got unaffiliateds that are pushing other people, eating away at some of those numbers. Although I guess you could argue that they were not going to vote in the GOP primary in the first place, so they're, it's basically immaterial. Well, except that they're going to presumably not vote for Cawthorn, and they're going to reduce the chances that he can get to 30%. So I hate to do any math here, but I'll do a little bit. The denominator is going to increase. The numerator for Cawthorn isn't. It's harder for him. I know you remember that from Math 101 at Winthrop, Pete. I took it so many times, I would, uh, yeah, I would be ashamed (laughs) to say I don't remember that. I totally remember that, sure. All righty, Dr. Chris Cooper, he's the Madison Distinguished Professor of Political Science and Public Affairs at Western Carolina University. You can check out his piece at theassemblync.com. Chris, always good to talk with you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110. You're going to want to write that number down. Or 1-800-WBT-1110, especially if you are a Kenny Chesney fan. You know, he's doing his Here and Now tour. And um, it's at Bank of America Stadium. It's going to be on Saturday. And so uh, we are going to give away two pairs of tickets at different times during the program. So you're going to have two chances to win a pair of tickets during my show today. Obviously, if you are listening on the podcast right now, you've already missed the contest. But if you're listening live, stay tuned. So so here's how it's going to work. We're going to play a Kenny Chesney song. It's going to be a bumper tune at some point. When you hear the Kenny Chesney song, then you call in. Then, Then you call in. Not right now. You call in when you hear the Kenny Chesney song. And no, that was not a Kenny Chesney song that just played. That was R-E-M, Orange Crush. The first time that we play the Kenny Chesney song as a bumper tune, which did not happen yet, we'll take the 11th caller. The next time we'll take the 10th caller. You get it? 11, 10, see? Huh? By the way, if you get a busy signal, just keep on trying. Because other people are going to be calling too. Because they want the tickets as well. All right. So be on the listen out for a Kenny Chesney song coming back from one of the breaks. Good luck to one and all. We're going to do it two times during the program today, but I'm not going to tell you when. All right. Um, so Dr. Chris Cooper uh, from Western Carolina University, full disclosure there. We went to Winthrop together. And uh, we actually were fraternity brothers. He was younger than me. He's like a year younger. So he was coming in as a pledge. And so I got to beat him up a lot. No, I'm kidding. We didn't do any of that. But um, 
but he was uh, a year after me. And uh, not that that affects my uh, relying on him as a... Surely all of these people are not calling in to talk about Dr. Chris Cooper's interview. Maybe they are. We are not doing the tickets now. Not doing the tickets now. Oh, my goodness. What have I done? Listen for the song. When you, when you hear the Kenny Chesney song, then you will have a chance to win. Okay. So uh, Cooper writes in his piece at theassemblync.com, he says, a nascent career built around attention rather than public policy or, in Madison Cawthorn's words, comms rather than legislation. And that's true, by the way. He did say that. Cawthorn did say that. Um, now, Cawthorn has come out and uh, responded to this, uh, what he calls this the, uh, slow drip of all these stories that, uh, that, that are all coming out against him. And that is true, by the way. I, I called it that the other day, the drip, drip, drip of these stories, these issues, these scandals, whatever it is. And there are more now. He got popped again at an airport with a gun. He uh, is now there. He's got Republicans calling for him to be investigated by the SEC for insider trading violations over uh, a uh, is it digital currency. The Brandon, let's go, Brandon, Bitcoin kind of thing. So and I've got the details on that. But I, I feel the need to point this out. The issues that are surrounding Cawthorn and his campaign right now, they are virtually all of his own doing. There are videos as well that have not been publicized yet or published as far as I know. And they are, they're in line with the picture from the cruise line. Let's just say it that way, except these are videos. I am aware of these types. It's not from the cruise line, but it is, it's a little blue and it's a, it's along those lines. And when this stuff starts coming, and I have no, I have no doubt these videos will be out. No doubt. People will, I mean, people will publish those videos because they're trying to take him out. And yes, he has made a lot of, uh, well, if not enemies on the left, he's made some on the right, but he's also made people embarrassed and uncomfortable supporting him. And because he made the jump, he opened the door for credible uh, candidates with deep roots in Henderson County, which is right next to Buncombe County, which is where all of the original sort of conservatives of Buncombe, they all, they're, they're all moving to Henderson County, um, which is one. Henderson County is beautiful. Hendersonville, downtown Hendersonville is beautiful. Um, while none of his many controversies on their own have truly endangered his position, the one decision that was fundamentally different is his decision to change districts. That decision led to a genuinely difficult primary for him on May 17th, filled with credible candidates who could hold him under 30% and force a runoff. I'm going to get back to some of the uh, the geographic and political uh, characteristics of the North Carolina 11th, so you get an idea. So you're not, maybe you won't be so surprised if this thing ends poorly for Cawthorn uh, in another, uh, well, 18 or 19 days or so.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. What is this bumper music? I don't remember this one. Oh, this is Kenny Chesney. Yeah, he's on tour. It's the Here and Now Tour at Bank of America Stadium. It's on Saturday, and uh, yeah, we're playing a bump tune, Kenny Chesney's bump tune. And so that means if you are the 11th caller at 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110, then you score the tickets. By the way, keep in mind, tickets are going to uh, be digitally given to you. They're going to be sent to the winners uh, tomorrow. So make sure you give us the right email address and phone number. Okay, if you win, I mean, if you don't win, then you don't have to give us your email address and phone number. It's completely unnecessary. I mean, you can if you want to, but I don't think Bernie's going to stick around for that. All right. 704-570-1110. Be the 11th caller. 1-800-WBT-1110. If you get a busy signal, keep on trying and uh, good luck to one and all. All righty. So at uh, this piece at the assemblync.com, Chris Cooper from Western Carolina talks a little bit about the the. The district itself. And so while, look, and the only reason I'm going over this, I know it's not our district, um, but you're going to hear a lot of coverage about this race. So just keep this sort of uh, thumbnail sketch, keep it in mind, right? So he starts off by saying, in a state where congressional district boundaries move more often than a Methodist minister, the 11th congressional district has been the exception. It has remained tucked in the western wedge of North Carolina for nearly 60 years. People think of it as the district where Asheville is, and that is true. But Asheville only makes up 12% of the population of the total district. This is why when Democrats and uh, lefties, they were like, uh, oh, you know, redistricting, get rid of the gerrymandering, and we're totally going to win now. No, you're not. And I understand, you know, blue dot, sea of red or Blue Island, in a sea of red. And you really, really want to believe that, but the district is massive around you, and they do not agree with your politics inside Asheville and the population of Asheville. I always make this comparison. It is roughly the same size as Rock Hill. And it, except it is the Charlotte of its region. It doesn't have you know, a million plus people right across the border. It doesn't have that. So it is if it would be like if Rock Hill were the economic engine for the entire region and there was nothing else around it. So it just there's just not enough Democrat votes to swing a congressional district, which is, you know, drawn by population. You got to have a certain number of people in that district. It has to be equal to every other district in the state. And you can't draw that unless you gerrymander it and you draw that district to go all the way up into App State, uh, the Boone area. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so everybody thinks Asheville. But as Dr. Cooper writes, it's sprawling size, geographic isolation. So it's very large and it's isolated from the rest of the state, which is it's a very sensitive thing for people in western North Carolina. They feel justifiably so that they have been ignored by the rest of the state forever. And they are. They absolutely are. Um, Especially when, uh, you know, the General Assembly was controlled by the Down East Democrats. Yeah, all the nice big fat roads that go all the way to the beach. And a lot of stuff just got ignored up in the mountains. Also, mass media, he says, mass media is unusually fragmented. What does that mean? 
It's one of the biggest challenges I had. I remember going uh, going to the television when I first moved up to Asheville, and I go to watch the Panther game. It was on like a Thursday night or something. And so, you know, in Charlotte, we would get that uh, game. It would be broadcast on the local affiliate, even though it was, I think, it's like an ESPN channel on the Thursday night football or something. This was years ago, or maybe it was Monday night football. I don't remember. But in Charlotte, I was just accustomed to, well, you know, if it's on ESPN, that's okay because there's a local affiliate that's going to carry it. No, not in Asheville. No, no affiliate there to carry it. They have one TV station that's actually located in Asheville. The others, like the other one that's always, uh, was it WYFF, I think it is, they're out of Greenville. South Carolina, they drive up from Greenville to Asheville to cover stories. So you got media markets in Western North Carolina coming in from Asheville, Atlanta, Chattanooga, Greenville, South Carolina, just depending on where you are in the district. Even social media, he says, internet outreach, it's unreliable because broadband connectivity can vary from difficult to impossible. And that is true. By the way, if you are, uh, just a heads up there, uh, the... U.S. Cellular, that got bought by AT&T, they had the best coverage in the mountains. They did From a cell phone service perspective, because I we always had Verizon in Charlotte. We went out there, and it was like, oh, my God. But then U.S. Cellular gets bought by AT&T, which then just you know takes up all their towers and their coverage, and it was superior. So, but it's difficult. It's all wireless, you know, Wi-Fi, stuff like that. So they, they will benefit greatly from the 5G. Politics is still personal, he says. People know each other there. There's a healthy suspicion of outsiders. That's one of the, absolutely. If you're not from this holler, if you're not from this mountain, you are viewed as a suspect. <laughs> um, especially, especially if you are perceived as trying to use the people of the district to further your own personal or political goals. So do you think that what Cawthorn did by trying to move to another district, do you think that that might sour people on him? A little more details here on the uh, on the runoff strategy. Cawthorn has to get, everybody does, in order to avoid a runoff, you got to get 30% of the vote plus one vote. 30% plus one. So if he doesn't get 30%, then you end up with a runoff where he and whoever came in second would go against each other. Being the top two, what? What's the word? Say it with me. Votainer, right? Votainer, not vote getter. It's a terrible word. We're working to change the language for the better because I am all about solutions. Votainer is the word. So the top two votainers go against each other in the primary. And at that point, you would get all of the anti-Cawthorn sentiment, all the anti-Cawthorn voters, you would get all of them to mobilize against Cawthorn, and then all you need is, you know, a majority, and you win. You need 50% plus one, because there will only be two candidates in the runoff. So that appears to be the strategy. And so if you end up with more people in the race, then there's more. there are more options. There are all these different lanes, and uh, Dr. Cooper writes about this as well in the piece, all these different lanes, you know, you got the Democrats that are registering unaffiliated and they're all backing this Wendy Navarez 
candidate because she's a, quote, centrist, which, by the way, those unaffiliated Democrats, they're not going to vote for her in the general election. They're just going to back her in the primary. So this way, if um, if for some reason she is able to beat Cawthorn, then they can beat her in the in the general or they have a they have an easier chance of beating her. But if they don't beat her, then at least she's not a terrible Republican. I mean, she's still terrible and a Republican, but she's not the worst of the worst, which is every other Republican. So that's the strategy. Get a whole bunch of people in, split up all of that vote. It doesn't matter if it's split. As long as you give people uh, options to vote against Cawthorn, and then you can mobilize against him when it's just him versus one other candidate. And if that one other candidate is Chuck Edwards from Henderson County, Cawthorn's going to have some problems. I'll go into some of those, uh, those numbers in a minute. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I uh, got an email here to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. This is from Joseph, who says, Cawthorn is turning out to be his own worst enemy. I love a firebrand and a hothead politician on my side, but you can't keep failing personally and be able to be on attack like that. Uh, that is a That's a very good point. When you, when you self-own or own goal yourself, like when you damage yourself, shoot yourself in the foot, step on the rake, whatever analogy you want to use, when you do that to yourself, you make yourself less formidable of as an opponent. You become less palatable as a standard bearer for the cause. If you're alienating people based on your own failings, that's not helpful. And I understand there are a lot of people in the fight that look at an individual, whether it's Cawthorn or any other elected official, um, and, and they say, "Look, this guy is willing to fight. He, he's he's informed, or he's uh, you know photogenic, or whatever the case may be. There are benefits, there are pros to this guy's approach or this gal's approach, and you're not as likely, not as willing to uh, to abandon them on the field of battle, right? Because you need as many bodies fighting the fight." As possible. This is why across the board, people are less likely to criticize their own teammates. So uh, in politics, right? This is why this defend or disavow game is always played against the right, but never the left. You never see nobody. Nobody's ever called to task for some comments that some backbencher from California made or even Maxine Waters when she tells people to go and, you know, harass Republicans. Nobody cares. Media doesn't go out and ask every single Democrat from the local delegation, whether they agree with Maxine Waters, should she be censored? Defend or disavow? Defend or disavow? They never do that. And now Republicans don't play the game anymore either. Um, But Henderson County, right next door to Buncombe County, which, by the way, you know the term bunk? You ever heard the term bunk as in BS? That's bunk. That does stand for Buncombe. It literally comes from that county. Not kidding. There was a congressman, Felix, I want to say. I forget I forget his name. But he would get up on the floor of uh, the House of Representatives up in D.C. And he would just spin yarns, tell tall tales, lie, exaggerate, talk and talk and talk and talk. And so he got. they would say, oh, that's just bunkum. That's what they started calling it when he would get up there and talk forever and ever. 
and exaggerate and tell tall tales. And then it just got shortened to bunk over the years. But yes, that's where the term comes from. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Henderson County, right next door to Buncombe, it is vital for Cawthorn. It is, um, was it here? Uh, do, 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 more than two out of every five votes that Cawthorn got in the 2020 primary. More than two, so over 40%. Two out of five, right? Came from Henderson County. In the runoff, the plurality of his votes, once again, came from his home county. Which makes sense, because also in the primary of 2020, Linda Bennett, she was um, she was out of Haywood County, if I remember correctly. And that that's where her base of operations and her support tended to be. But she had also hacked off a bunch of the local Haywood County Republican gadflies, caused the whole tsunami of uh, of scandal and such when she was in one of the meetings. And then they took a video of her and, and selectively edited it and put it out there as if she was saying that she hates Donald Trump, but she actually doesn't and didn't. Anyway, she got Trump's endorsement, but... She was not a good candidate. I've talked about that before. So Henderson County is really, really important to Madison Cawthorn. And the problem is that now he's got these two credible candidates coming out of uh, Henderson County as well. And they've got deep ties there. And so if they whittle away that support, it's going to make it very, very difficult for him to uh, clear the 30% primary threshold. But also if they get him into a runoff, then you get all of the anti-Cawthorn sentiment that coalesces around whoever that other candidate might be. And if that other candidate is from Henderson County, that spells a lot of problems for Cawthorn. Who, by the way, came out with an Instagram video, true to form, and um, he has a response to all of the slow drip of scandals stories coming out. Statistically, it's virtually impossible to beat an incumbent member of Congress after they've won their first re-election. Their mm-hmm. first re-election is their most difficult election. Uh, there's a lot of factors that cause that, but that's why you're starting to see this coordinated attack amongst a lot of the freshman members of Congress who are hardcore conservatives who are going up for re-election. It's going on across the country. Um, but North Carolina, we have the North Carolina political establishment and one rhino senator who have really targeted me are coming hard. They're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars to be able to defeat me. Uh, and they're starting to say just these ridiculous, salacious lies. I, I hear from my supporters all the time. I just got this call of people polling. They said that you want to raise our tax dollars, which is absurd. I want to remove the federal income tax. All right, hang on. Th- that is actually coming from uh, the Democrats. Democrats are making, I see it all over the place. Democrats are doing this whole campaign trying to convince people that the Republicans are the uh, raise the taxes party. Which, if you were born like a minute ago, that you might be persuaded by that. But, all right, we'll take a listen to the rest of his comments after the news. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.